This is Ingredient Insiders. I'm John Magazino. And I'm Andrea Parkins. On each episode, we'll be speaking with noted chefs and authors about their favorite ingredients. We'll also be speaking to the producers of those ingredients about what makes them so great and why chefs use them in their kitchens. This week, I don't even know where to begin. Dried pasta, Andrea. This is like an ingredient. I grew up eating a lot of pasta. Me too, So it's something near and dear to me. I mean, I eat pasta weekly. I think for me, pasta is so comforting because to your point, I grew up in an Italian family. It was something that we ate with my grandparents, a memory for me. This is one of those things, and we often talk about pantry staples here. I should mention that having a few boxes or bags of pasta in my pantry is... For me, it's normal. I don't. I, maybe it is for most families yeah. and most people, but it's something that you can make it in a snap. And one of my favorite things, especially like if I didn't have time to go to the grocery store, I get home late. If I need to make something that's really good, I can make an actual full entree. All I need is some pasta and a couple of other ingredients that I have laying around the house. Yeah, I think dried pasta is a must pantry staple for everybody. And I know during COVID, you couldn't even find dried pasta. Yeah. It was one of those items that because of the shelf life and because of its versatility, people were buying, you know, 10, 20 boxes at a time. Yeah, so I'm a, I'm a sucker for very simple pastas, like a aglio e olio, just mm-hmm. a little, you know, I'll take a little bit of olive oil, warm it up in a pan. I will put some fresh garlic into the pan with it. Get that just warm, some red pepper flakes. That's all I need. And toss the pasta in there and it's delicious. Yeah. I think like a a simple tomato sauce, a pomodoro, there's nothing more comforting to me. I love linguine clams. So when I think of pasta, my mind goes straight there. Do you have a favorite cut of dried pasta? A straight cut or a long cut? Okay. Let's say what's your favorite long cut of dried pasta? Pucatini. Interesting. I love it. And what's your favorite short cut of dried pasta if you have one you don't have to I don't have know one. I, I I typically will buy penne um, which I know is probably boring but I also love garganelli yeah. a fun one okay what about you for short I am a rigatoni guy okay I love the full-size rigatoni or the mezze mm-hmm. and I like spaghetti I have regular thin spaghetti not capellini but thin spaghetti Nice. I think I would usually would get like a linguine over a a spaghetti. All right. To each his own. So on this episode, we're going to be speaking with the great Italian chef Michele Casade Massari from Luciola Restaurant on Manhattan's Upper West Side. Such an interesting guy, Andrea. It's all about the content of water. It's all about being shelf-stable. It's all about being met and consistency. He's originally from Emilia-Romagna. Just a super talented, great guy. Yeah, we'll also be speaking with Ricardo Felicetti. His family uh, founded Felicetti Pasta, which is kind of a big deal in Italy. In Italy, we have a wide range of uh, customers. They prefer to put the name of our pasta on the menu in order to confirm to their customers that they are looking for a high-quality product. Arguably one of the greatest pastas on the planet. You know, it's not as widely seen yet today as some of the more well-known brands of pasta. But Felicetti, if you go to Italy mm-hmm. or you go to specialty markets and look for it, uh, it's usually in like a white kind of cream-colored box. Yep, it has the Monograno label. Yes. This stuff is, talk about a simple sauce. You can cook this pasta in salted water and drizzle a little bit of olive oil on top of it. And that's all you need. And it's got great flavor. Absolutely. Can't wait to talk to Ricardo soon. This is going to be a fun episode. 
This episode is in partnership with The Chef's Warehouse and produced by Hey Now Media. Buongiorno tutti. Oggi noi abbiamo un capo cuoco dal New York City. Molto bene. Do you know what I just said, Andrea? I believe you said something along the lines of like, good morning, we're in New York City. I don't even know if I said that right, but we have one of the great Italian chefs of New York City here today, Michele Casare Massare. Did I say that right? Was I even close? Actually, very well. I, I think uh, I really accomplished this. First time in the United States that my name has been spelled and pronounced well, so I'm kind of emotional Ooh, about wow. it. Grazie, grazie. <laughs> Michele is the chef of Luciola. Beautiful restaurant. Where is it located in Manhattan? We are in the Upper West Side. Amsterdam Avenue and 90th Street, and it's actually 621 Amsterdam Avenue. And that's great. And that's an area not to disparage the Upper West Side of Manhattan, but needs great restaurants like yours. So we're I excited mean, that you're here. Grazie. Thank you. We're excited that you're here in the studio, too. Um, <laughs> we're going to talk about today's ingredient, which is dried pasta. It's a subject that's near and dear to Andrea and myself, and obviously you, Michele. I think a lot of people think when they see fresh pasta on a menu that might be better than dried pasta what is dried pasta all about there's not a better or a worse there's a perfect match a use and a destination for everything all this reading homemade fresh pasta doesn't make qualifying any better for taking more care or more authentic it's actually a kind of danger because uh, we know what it means when you're doing your own made fresh pasta or you're just playing with fresh pasta than rather the dry pasta. To me, as a chef, as an Italian, and as a capocuoco, by the way, I love the capocuoco, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> means, uh-oh, we are generalizing danger. That's what I see. It. I, when I think of dried pasta, I think of pasta that has a firmer mouthfeel. It's got a, there's a core to this pasta, the strand of pasta, or whether it's Correct. long or short. It also lends itself better to certain sauces. And that's something I love to dive into is kind of like, why is a pasta with butter and white truffles better with a fresh egg pasta versus, let's say, uh, a matricana with a dried type of pasta? Well, it's all about the content of water. It's all about being shelf-stable. It's all about being met and consistency. The fact that certain structure and certain type of consistency match better with the type of the sauce, it's so true. I agree. You, you made a great example about the matriciana or talking about the, the truffle. You're exclusively using felicetti pasta, correct? Yes, and I want to tell you most of the time I want to use exclusively dry pasta. And why is that? Well, shelf stable, mm -hmm. big word. You know, the Capo Cuoco, the executive chef, has a brain that should be in three places. First of all, on the client, which means at the same time on what you are buying to make sure that the client has the best experience. But also you have to be contemporary. And now I'm opening the book of travels, logistics transportations, rotation. These are really, really interesting and very contemporary world these days, but also technique. How can you deliver the same great result all the time? Making sure that the attention is to the client and not saying, oh, let me try it again. We're almost there. We're almost there. It's almost al dente. 
So I think you have to do choices before a lot of that to make sure as any respectable game plan to deliver a great result. So going back to the question, choosing Felicetti is choosing an ingredient. And I don't have a lot of room in my place for ingredients that are not up to the game because I think at this point, uh, going above five ingredients, it doesn't make sense. It's complicated having great quality. And all the room we have in our restaurants, we learn we have to use it for the clients. Distance, but also experience. Felicetti gives you that, A, the highest level of quality Correct. and a level of consistency. I was in Italy recently. I was in Piemonte. And this is, to me, the home of fresh tagliarine and, sure. and ravioli del plin. For it's sure. all handmade, all egg-based, and always fresh. And I went to this great restaurant in the town of Serralunga called Osteria Trecase. On his menu, Felicetti dried pasta. And in the middle of truffle season and everything, and, you know, he's still making fresh tagliarine and other fresh pastas. But I think that spoke a lot to the quality of Felicetti to be at this great restaurant. That's all they're known for is that fresh pasta. And they called it out by name on the menu. So when we say, oh, Felicetti is the best quality, I know it is. I'm not sure if we explain why it is and why I feel it is. When we think about quality in a restaurant, we think, first of all, to something that all the time is going to perform. And I'm not using the word taste yet perform in the same way because a team has a moment that has to trust that everything is going to be perfect it's called service time especially in the short service can you imagine the moment i'm doing my best carbonara uh, spaghetti ever and the spaghetti breaks or they don't get uh, al dente or maybe they don't do what is called the mantecatura releasing the amount of gluing to be beautiful shiny and tidied up how can I fix that? It's impossible. So during what we call the showtime, I need to rely on them with my eyes closed. Everything is going to be perfect because there's so much going on that could fail and every time happens that I cannot be also on that part. So defining the quality in Felicetti, I think that Riccardo Felicetti, the owner, the person running the company, is doing what I want to call the checklist of equality. Product that is consistent a product that uses high-level ingredients, and it's speaking the ingredients according to the best use. In this case, we are talking about grains. We could open a chapter about the monograno, the organic, the felicetti pasta, but one thing in common is that any ingredient over there, there are not many actually, there's water and the flour and the grain, are selected to be consistent and the most uh, helpful, tasty, and profile matching, not only for the recipe, but for the pasta profile. In any brand, when a brand is a great brand, you should be able, by the smell and by the tasting, say, oh, this is that brand. So a Felicetti spaghetti is quality because there's someone there, there's a team there thinking, engineering, and uh, don't forget, an artisanal product doesn't mean it's not using technology. Greatest quality for the ingredient used, they use the technology. And I want to spend a couple of words, really a couple, on packaging. More paper, more sustainable, and something that being shelf-stable doesn't affect the pH and the amount of, you know, in the air, there's moist. So this is what I define great quality. Something I can believe because there's choice 
before B. We had lunch at the restaurant not too long ago. And what I thought was really interesting was at the bottom of the menu, you kind of had a, a flavor guide for the pasta based on the different flavor profiles of the grains. How did how do you choose that? How does that go into your menu planning? When you think about it, it's the most simple thing, but it's actually it's the person at the table that is going to really influence the outcome of the dinner. And sometimes you have also uh, think about someone who says, I really want to have something very simple, clean. Uh, chef, what should I try? So going back to what you said, uh, having in your drawer the chance to deliver a flavor, knowing exactly how you want to impress and knowing the difference between, and now we're opening a topic that we close immediately, under taster and super tasters, which is the definition how we set a palate according to the number of taste buds, it really lets you play magic. So I know I can pick the color to impress any of my client according to the ingredient, the sauce, and who is in front of me. That's very interesting. So the different grains obviously give a different flavor to the pasta. Correct. And, and behavior also. And you're combining a sauce with that pasta grain to best pair it and to, to best highlight the Like the dish flavor. as a whole. Yeah, that's really amazing. Color profile is a way to identify what we are using that pasta. And it's very easy. You can say the blue one, the red one, the brown one. So easy in a kitchen to see on the shelf. But it refers to a pairing, the way it behaves, and the way it tastes. So... Total Taylor experience, I think. Great that's, masterpiece. That's really fantastic. Is there a perfect sauce for spaghetti? Yes. You're nodding the your spaghetti. head. Yeah. The perfect sauce for the spaghetti, it's the spaghetti. Yeah. So if you really want to try something that makes the difference, according to my palate, and your taste bud, and see if you are a super taster, the spaghetti you like the most, in the caliber you like the most, because there's someone who loves thinner or larger, just... Cook it on perfection. Let it sit on the plate 30, 40 seconds. Do not add salt and add the fat you prefer. I think that's, and I want to use the word fat. It's okay ghee. It's okay butter. It's okay oil, any form of oil. It's okay sesame oil. We can make the best cold spaghetti. With, that's my perfect spaghetti. I like that. Always salting the water, though. Always salting the water, but when? I typically salt the water right when it starts to boil. Correct. I put a lot of salt in the water. Correct. I don't measure a, it. I just... That's like, a proportion. Like the sea. They say it yeah. should taste like the sea. Yeah. That's what I do. Exactly. It should taste like the sea. I think it's hard to almost oversalt yeah, pasta no. water. Well, it's like your only chance, really, to season the pasta itself. Because once you cook it, that's Correct. it, right? Exactly. That's it. So can you fix pasta later if you do that mistake? There is a way, like when a we talk... Of, a lot of grated Parmigiano. Yeah. Parmigiano Reggiano is always a great idea, but I want to give the thumb rule, like we do with the, when the mayonnaise when it doesn't work and it gets crazy. Stop it. Wash it on cold water and see what it tastes and work on the sauce and barely adding pasta salt over there. Do you cook the pasta to a certain point where it's not fully done and then put it into the sauce and let the sauce absorb and let the pasta finish cooking? We can answer to these to three points. Short order restaurant. Me and you, as we go for dinner or lunch, can have a pasta. It has to be out in 15 minutes. That's called a short 
order. So we take what is written on the box, we take off two minutes and we cook for, if it's written 12 minutes, it's going to be 10 minutes. We go in the sauce probably a minute 30 and we serve. So that's an answer, just two minutes off what is written on the box. So you got the whole 12 minutes, but it was 10 in the water Correct. and two in the pan okay, exactly. with the sauce. Exactly. And that's one one rule. And there's the, the other point that we are planning a great dinner, or maybe we have a dinner service with high number. So we want to pre-cook and we take a decision over there. We want to pre-cook and doing what? What sauce we have on the menu? So if we have sauce with a lot of uh, cream and fat, I will feel comfortable to go with the, the pasta almost two-thirds of pre-cooking. If you are doing a la minou, a lot of pasta with fish or vegetables, I will be most, mostly 50% and adding liquid and waters while I'm cooking. So three questions, two-thirds, two minutes off the box, and 50% according to what we are planning for the night or the day. So the pasta is not only absorbing the water, but it's also absorbing the sauce, adding flavor. Correct. Got and it. the flavor and releasing all the gluten through the cooking. Mm -hmm. So it might really be a key element for the very famous cacio pepe spaghetti, for example. So that's where we really have to be careful because we're adding water. Talk to us about cacio e pepe because I feel that obviously this pasta has been around in Rome and around the world for a very long time. But cacio e pepe in the last four years... It's having a moment. Three years. It couldn't be more of a... I, I don't want to say peasant dish but it's the most simple dish which and it's not easy to make <laughs> it's the most simple dish which most of us we fail doing it talk to us how do you make your cacio e pepe well what's your pasta that you use what cut uh spaghetti spaghettone met and okay. it really makes you succeed 85 uh, percent of the time because uh, it can really uh, master the amount of the water and it can avoid uh, the cheese to become uh, uh, too solid or too chewy. But remember when you're talking about the cacio e pepe, which definitely is having a huge moment. At the same time, you're talking about carbonara, gricia, and cacio e ovo. It's the same concept where you're using an ingredient that it carries salt, fat, and the ability to stick together on the pasta. So the advice, it's always the same. Careful with the temperature, careful with pan are you using. Non-stick pan, I don't like them for this kind of recipe. You will see them in the kitchen, but there's a difference between cooking and boiling. So the non-stick will be softening and over-boiling the pasta. So it should be done in an aluminum three millimeter, pure aluminum. The pasta this time, we're gonna cook it at two thirds because we finish in the pan. The cheese is an essential element, but the trick is in the water from the cooking. So pasta, and now magic. Where goes the water? In the pan or in the cheese? In the cheese. Do not be in a rush to put the water of cooking directly in the pan with those spaghetti. Breathe, something I should do when I talk. Mm -hmm. Talk very fast. <laughs> Get the water in your cheese bowl and make a mixture between the cheese and the water, and then spoon it back in the pan with your spaghetti. That's the perfect cacio pepe. And guess what? We can do it on large volume, and we could do it even in the oven, but that's a different world and wow. different chapter. I've never heard of that method before, mixing the water with the cheese. Oh, yeah. I had, a, I had like a famous cacio e pepe battle. With, I heard you won. I did win, and uh, I did use that method of... 
combining the cheese and the water, and you do it. You almost make a paste or a ball. Correct. And then add that to the pan. But it's the way to do it. Yeah. It's correct. And same should be for the carbonara, and same, same should be for the gricha. Talk so, to me about carbonara. So the carbonara, as we said. you add cream? No. Okay. No. I'm actually leaving. Bite your tongue. I know. Sorry, yes. I wanted, that's the reaction cream. I wanted. Exactly. It's double no. checking when you have the Italian accent. She wants to know if it's real or not. Yeah. Right. No. I don't even know where that came from. No. And no onion. No mushrooms, no peas. Absolutely not. Just no great no eggs. No onions, no peas. No, 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 no. Okay. No, no, no. no, no, no. Uh, just great eggs and pecorino romano and guanciale. But we do the same thing. We're going to do a sort of the paste between the egg yolks and the pecorino romano because it's again pecorino romano. And we're going to stir the pasta, in this case with the, with the guanciale, and then we're going to get our paste and going back to the pan. I think that's a great point that you made right there. Very subtle. I am very much, when I turned, when I was 19 years old, I used to eat carbonara for lunch almost every day. It's a very bizarre story, but anyhow, and I always tried to replicate this amazing recipe that I used to have. And I never could get the flavor quite right until I read a cookbook, I think by Marcella Hazan or somebody, which suggested after you cook the pasta to put the pasta into the pan with the guanciale, or if you use bacon or whatever, let the pasta get coated with the fat from the guanciale, then add the eggs and the cheese and finish the dish. Because I used to, before I did that, I used to take the guanciale and the fat and put it with the eggs and the cheese all together and then just throw the pasta in there and mix Did it together. It adhere as well? No, it was great. It was good. It was good. Something happens that the flavor, the intensity of the guanciale, maybe the pasta absorbs it when you toss it with it first. It, it becomes a whole other next level experience. I want to jump back a little bit to talk about your growing up. you obviously from Italy. Where did See, you grow up? I grew up in, uh, in Bologna. Emilia Romagna. Okay, an area also very famous for fresh pasta. I agree. <laughs> I totally agree. Uh, not only famous for the fresh pasta, but famous to pick always fresh pasta. Sure. As we said before. So a lot of the recipe from Bologna, they are existing in relations to how can we use this tagliatelle. Bolognese doesn't go with spaghetti. No. <laughs> it goes with tagliatelle. I think tortellini and lasagna too. <laughs> exactly. So, uh, by the way, Felicetti has also some egg pasta dried and it's quite interesting in the world of the tagliatelle. So I grew up where all the fresh pasta is made, yes. I read a couple of days ago a beautiful interview about Ducasse, a great, great chef, that he said, when they say to me, Capo Cuoco, or of the Cusino executive, I think more of being a producer and an art director. So in going back to this, I understand the meaning, I feel the same. So my cooking and cuisine, it's based on decision. Temperature, I want to use for my cooking. Materials, ingredients, in uh, all towards to the flavor I want to deliver. So uh, I think... Uh, I'm doing everything you said. I'm not discounting any type of flavor, but I'm not using certain type of ingredient or in association that I don't believe are good nutrition. I'm a big Alan Ducasse fan. I've always looked up to, to the great French chef. And it's funny because earlier when you were talking about just using five ingredients, that's something that I've, I know that he's always kind of been a big proponent of that, of have this, what you just said, that focus of flavor, 
and not complicating any recipe with more than five components to it. And that's why I love and I say quality about Felicetti because when we talk about monograno, it means exactly this. There's one thing that you know and there's a flavor. And it's perfect because as we understand in coffee, the difference between single origin and blend and the technique of blending and choosing the way we want to brew, it's exactly the same way. So it's the quality I can master towards my decision, reducing the number of ingredients and giving something that is nutritious. Do you cook at home? All the time, obsessively. Okay. Here's a question we love to ask all yeah. of our guests. What are items that are in your pantry at home that you can't do without? Well, Felicetti pasta for sure, because I couldn't even cook just with the water. If you have nothing in your refrigerator, you can use a microwave. Yes, you can cook pasta in the microwave if you have the great pasta. And the water, as I said before, it could be almost the sauce of the Felicetti and that to me is great with a little bit of touch of fat. I love the duck fat as well for the pasta. They say, oh, this guy is crazy. Try, try and get back to us. I'll put duck fat on anything. So Yeah. <laughs> me, me too. <laughs> Why not? It's actually amazing. And it gives you, again, flavor, vitamins, and the way moisture is completely different from everything else. So for sure, the Felicetti pasta, Parmigiano, Reggiano all the time, nutmeg. nutmeg. I always have nutmeg. I like it. Lemon, dry onions, dry garlic. How do you feel about anchovies? Love it. It's the secret of any successful chef. And it's not only the major ingredient of the Caesar salad, but it's the major ingredient of any successful vegetarian dish that wants to enhance the flavor, not carry it to a vegetarian. Michele, it's been such a pleasure having you here. I know Andrea and I are so excited to go down and eat at your restaurant. And uh, it's been a pleasure talking about dried pasta with you. Grazie mille. It's been a great pleasure for me. And... Uh, you really helped me a lot in uh, understanding what I do and why I do it. And from today, I'll do it even stronger and more passionate. That's, I love it. This episode is sponsored by Felicetti Pasta, one of Italy's finest pastas. This is really awesome. Today we have in the studio from Italy, Riccardo Felicetti. Thank you. Thank you for inviting. This is great. I, I just got back from Italy. And you said you saw Felicetti pasta on some of the menus when you were eating out? Yes, I did. It happens. In Italy, we have a wide range of uh, customers. They prefer to put the name of our pasta on the menu in order to confirm to their customers that they are looking for a high quality product. So you're a, you're a fourth generation Felicetti? Yes. So can you tell us a little bit about how this great brand started? So my great grandfather was a contractor. He was building houses, bridges, and tunnels for the Austrian Empire because in that period, Predazzo, where we still have our main production and our offices, was one of the most southern located villages in the Austrian Empire. And he moved away from the center, close to an area in which a river was creating energy for uh, one segueria, so a wood, cutting wood uh, factory, which had in very nearby a production of matches and using 
the the rest wood they uh, was drying pasta why pasta there because in the middle of the alps in summer we got some grains we harvested some grains for the community and we could store the grain we could we could mill the grain when it was necessary and we could produce pasta pasta usually in italy has been produced close to the arbors where they imported the grain and they could store the grain in the big silos or close to the sources like the wheat fields felicetti actually comes from the north in the dolomite yeah. mountains yeah, on an altitude of 3,000 feet, uh, we are providing our water from uh, an area called uh, Monte Latemar, which is one of the nine groups composing the Dolomites, which is a UNESCO natural heritage. The best way to combine wheat from the south and water that you cannot move from the best part of Italy from, with the purest quality and let everything get dried from an air which is blowing down from the alpine mountains and that's pollution is something that we know as something coming from other parts of the world but it doesn't really touch our area pasta has to get dried obviously so if you're producing in maybe a, in a big factory that happens to be you know in a city or on a highway that air is being pumped in and it could affect the flavor profile of the pasta versus what you're what you guys are doing. Everything is influencing the, the flavor of the pasta. Uh, if you take water which has a, a part of chlorine to to keep it pure and drinkable, of course, uh, oxygen will will disappear while drying, but chlorine will remain in the pasta. It's a small part, as a PM10 or a small parts of of pollution that you pump in. Maybe maybe can can be filtered but not totally a little part will remain into the into the product and what we try to do is avoiding this and hi-fi translate an agricultural product into food we're talking about a product that only has how many ingredients two three ingredients well uh, if you take a durum wheat pasta it's two ingredients yep. and if we take egg pasta it's three ingredients and then we can upgrade that with flavor pasta like nero di sepia which is another additional recipe with a certain number of ingredients that i keep secret this is a very simple product and of course in simplicity getting the best from simplicity is quite difficult you can't cover things with additional things right so it's flour it's water the purest water on the planet you're sourcing flour from we, southern italy yeah we source some flour from from a, a certain number of uh suppliers which became friend in the in the meantime uh, in the last 20 years, 30 years, we have a, a lot number of, of uh, suppliers, especially in the world of the organic production. We uh, establish long-term relationships with which now get into the second generation. You're really developing these strong personal relationships with the wheat farmers. There's a mutual understanding that you, you're trying to produce the highest possible quality product out there and they share the pride in that. In order to get a good wheat, uh, you have to work a little bit more. You know, at Chef's Warehouse, we carry five, six different lines of pasta. You know, when I heard about Felicetti, it was through their highest quality line, uh, Monograno, 
which is all grain specific, which I thought was really, really interesting. And we talk a lot about the terroir making things taste different. And I think this pasta speaks to that, you know, some of the best pasta, dried pasta, especially that I've ever had. Tell us a little bit about Monograno. Yeah, Monograno is a project, and I'm still calling it project, uh, which uh, started in uh, 2000 and year 2000, I would say. So this is really hyper-sourced individual types of wheat that are going into the pastas. Faro, the kamut, the mat. Mat and the capelli. Senator Capelli. Senator Capelli. I love (laughs) saying Senator Capelli. So you've got the purest water, these individually sourced grains. Talk to us about the and then the production of it, the drying process. Yeah. For, before talking about the production process, uh, I would say that if you are talking about wines, you are talking about terroir, which is a single for every single wine. What we are proud to be is pasta, in this case, is a combination of different terroirs. It's the terroir of the grain, it's the terroir of the water, terroir of the air. Huge combination of different factors which are combined like in an orchestra from a pasta master. We did a tasting menu. They had each pasta and they talked about it as if you were drinking wine. You know, the matte pasta is buttery. It has, you know, butterscotch tones or corn. They're really coming to this as if it's wine, which is so unique uh, for pasta because, you know, some would consider it a commodity. This is true artisanal pasta. If you start smelling the cooking water or you start melting the dry pasta into your mouth, then you can start receiving smells and tastes that normally are going away when you are cooking the pasta because you are cooking it in a standard water. So it might be influenced by that taste. You put salt, modifies the taste of the pasta. How much salt do you put in your well, it's a basic ratio, which is very, very easy to remember, is 10, 100, 1,000. That means 10 grams of salt, 100 grams of pasta, 1,000 grams of water, which is a liter of water. But if you smell the pasta while cooking, it's like wine. And you can really understand the differences between one grain and the other one, one pasta and the other one, one producer and the other one. And that's our goal. Of course, later, nobody will outside of the labs will eat pasta by itself. So we add something, some sauce, some condiments, necessarily should match or get in contrast with tastes and the perfumes that that pasta is delivering. So there are certain sauces that will go well with the different types of pasta. Yes. Can you give us some examples? I would need farro with the venison ragu and maybe some raspberry jam. Mm. Farro, farro is a quite a quite rough wheat. This wild ragu could be the perfect combination. And the point of acidity on it, in my opinion, is the best that you can have. So like the farro pasta can stand up to maybe a heartier dish, then maybe you would use the matte pasta for like a vongole. I would use matte pasta for the vongole or for fish because matte, due to its high quality gluten index, doesn't release starches so much. So the combination with fish is ideal in that way. Senator Capelli, for example, uh, releases a little bit more of starches, and that's something that we will. So the cook can, or the chef can decide, depending on his recipe, what kind of pasta he can use. And if you use capelli, the best way are the Roman traditional dishes like 
Nacho Pepe, Carbonara, Carbonara Amatriciana. So those products which are those dishes which are absolutely needing a little bit of creamy mm -hmm. and starches in this way perfectly match with the pecorino cheese and with the oil coming from guanciale. I don't think people think about cooking pasta this way. I think this is so cool. I'm sorry. I just am so distracted. I'm so hungry right now. After <laughs> that. Thinking about it, it's like you you buy pasta. You doesn't matter what sauce that you're using, whether it's red or white, if you will. And that's it. And this is just like a very interesting way to think about like, OK, I'm making this dish. What type of green is going to serve this dish best? Yeah, I mean, this is pasta for chefs who really care about yes. what they're doing. They're not just putting pasta on the plate. They, I mean, they're really thinking about what they're serving. And, it, you know, it's cool. It's amazing. Uh, we say in Italy that every two minutes in the world, one cut of pasta is combined with the wrong sauce. And that it's killing right. a pasta yeah. master every day. So that's a great other subject. So how many cuts of pasta does Felicetti make? Uh, Felicetti does produce something like 100 cuts wow. in general. Uh, with Monograno, we, we produce around 30. We believe that there is a, a wide range of cuts, but in fact, 80% of the consumption is related to the top five, top six products, which are spaghetti, penne, linguini, fusilli, rigatoni, tagliatelle. We can add a little bit. I think it's Chef's Warehouse. So this is a pretty new line for us. We're so excited to be selling it now and offering it to our clients. I think we have, do we have 14 SKUs? Something, somewhere around 14, which is great. Yeah. And we're, you know, we're bringing in more and more, I think, as the brand and the concept is getting out there to chefs, they're getting creative and thinking about, you know, what can I do with this? Thank you so much for being here today. I think that we learned quite a bit about the pasta making process, um, how unique Felicetti is. And we're so glad that you're a brand new partner at Chef's Warehouse. Thank you. And thank you, Chef Warehouse, for giving us the opportunity to express ourselves into the United States. Thanks so much for listening to this episode. Like what you hear, write us a review and subscribe today on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Follow us on Instagram at Ingredient Insiders or Twitter at Where Chefs Talk. All the products we talked about on this episode can be purchased at chefswarehouse.com.